This episode originally aired in July 2019 on the Since Retired Pertinent Information Podcast. In this episode, Josh and I talk about the current state of the two-party political system in the United States. We go into how we got here, and do third-party candidates ever have a shot of being elected to significant political positions. Right around when this episode originally aired, Justin Amash, who was originally a Republican, became an Independent and in April 2020 joined the Libertarian Party. Amash has served as a United States Representative for Michigan's 3rd Congressional District since 2011. In 2020, he started a campaign to run for president as a Libertarian. However, he abandoned his campaign just a month in. On Twitter, Amash commented on the current state of our two-party political system, saying, Electoral success requires an audience willing to consider alternatives, but both social media and traditional media are dominated by voices strongly averse to the political risk posed by a viable third-party candidate. The new reality of social distancing levels the playing field among the candidates in many respects, but it also means lesser-known candidates are more dependent on adequate media opportunities to reach people. Enjoy this conversation on the issues of our current two-party political system. All right, so I'm here with Josh. Yeah, what's up? How are you? Good. Awesome. So, your buddy uh, Ross Perot. <laughs> I don't know much about him uh, actually. Like, I know his I know his story, but like politically, I don't I don't really yeah. even know what he stood for. I re- I remember when I was a kid though in '92, my dad sitting on the couch watching him at the presidential debates, saying that he really liked him. Hmm. You know, I was pretty young and yeah, a kid, but you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That's crazy. That's cool. So, your buddy Ross Perot died. So rest in peace, Ross. Yeah. Um, so that got us thinking, and, and this is definitely a topic that you and I have talked about in the past, and that's kind of the the currently the the climate in the United States is we essentially have two political parties that rule all. Right. And so this topic came to mind to talk about because Ross Perot is in the relative history one of the most popular third party candidates or politicians so i thought it'd be a little interesting to kind of pull some info about just third party representation in the u.s and uh obviously it's been pretty rare so outside of the major six parties so now there's been two parties for the last however you know many years but for the entire history there's been essentially six main parties and that's the federalist party the democratic hyphen Republican Party. The Anti-Federalists. Okay. The the National Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Whig Party, and then the Republican Party. So those six throughout history have been the the popular parties. And then they, you know, essentially all of them except for obviously the Republican and the Republican or the Democratic Party have been kind of pushed down or had had their time in the sun. Um let's see. Okay, so the last time that a third party has kind of taken out, essentially, a major party was in 1856. So it's been a minute. Right. Uh, And that was when the Republicans took out the Whigs, which that party basically withered away and and who who was running over that time period. So when was that? What did we say? 56 right before uh, Lincoln was elected what's interesting is that our our system historically was not meant to have parties 
but structurally speaking, that's how our elections are set up. Yeah. Like our elections are, are designed to have two parties, even though like constitutionally speaking, that's not the way it was meant to be. Mm. Thomas Jefferson was anti-party altogether. Yeah. Even though he ended up leading the, the Democratic Republican Party. Yeah. Uh, against uh, Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, who was the, the Federalist Party. He's the one that created and kind of led that. So Yeah. So 1856, James Buchanan was a Democrat and mm. won. Uh, John C. Fremont was a Republican, and he got so came in second. Uh, Mill, yeah, Millard Fillmore uh, was the American Party, which essentially was the Whig Party. Uh, the main guy before that was Wilfred, Wilfred Winfred Winfield Winfield <laughs> Winfield Scott from the Whig Party, who uh, in the election before 1852. Uh, lost out to Franklin Pierce of the Democratic Party. So, so it's interesting that you already see, though, you don't see incumbents winning year after year like you do now. Y- you do, I feel like, early on. I mean, and then you get into Abraham Lincoln, Grant. So, like, right around that late, mid to late 1800s, I think you see that. But uh, even before, you've got, let's see, you've got the Monroes, James Monroe, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, all going or winning back to back John, uh, no not John Adams but George Washington then yeah right. so um and so there's been 58 elections uh mm. since 1788 the third party or independent candidates have won at least 5% of the vote or garnered electoral votes just 12 times <laughs> so 5% of the vote yeah 12 times uh, and this does not count George Washington, uh, who was elected as an independent, but they barely had parties back then. Yeah. Uh, the first election. And he was uh, largely federalist. Apparently. And he, w- he was anti-party, too. In his uh, farewell address, uh, he's he's quoted warning about the, the parties. He, he, had, he acknowledged that parties have to exist, mm-hmm. but he really warned the public about the demonization of parties and how they become like these political factions. Yeah that we really need to be careful about, um, which I thought was interesting considering his, uh, he was very federalist, he was very centralized government, um, which even in his day was was very anti the way the system was originally set up. You know, yeah. that we, we think back to the Declaration of Independence, well, that was very sovereign, like individual rights, and that was very against a uh, centralized government. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so if we look back, uh, to the last third party candidate to win a state. Give any idea? No, I don't. George Wallace of the American Independent Party. I've never even heard of that party. In 1968. So actually, it wasn't that long ago. That's not that long ago no, at all. No. Oh, but he won a state. So but he just won a state. Which state did he win? Did it say? I don't remember. <laughs> it was, that one wasn't important, apparently. Yeah. To Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> right I didn't look right. it up. Uh, so then the last. Uh, third party candidate to win more than 5% of the vote was your boy Ross, Ross mm, Perot, yep. uh, who ran as an independent and then uh, as a reform party in 92 and 96, respectively. So then since that, uh, most recently then, and I think we'll all remember Gary Johnson yeah. in 2016, who got 3.3%. Oh, that was disappointing. Uh, as Killed a liber- my soul. As a libertarian. And we'll get into that, I think, and you're kind of that. I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but I mean, you have quite a bit of experience as far as third party versus right. Republican versus uh, libertarian and things. But uh, 
so most recent third party candidate to receive an electoral vote was Ron Paul. And uh, was that 2012? I think so. Yeah. And then an independent from Yankton Sioux Nation. Uh, Faith Spotted Eagle got an electoral vote from a faithless elector in 2016. Interesting. Which, which was odd because I don't remember hearing about that. Yeah. You'd think that would make news out of 2016, but I guess Trump winning. Yeah, I think I think the polls being turned on their heads yeah. took precedence over pretty much anything else. Which, wow. And so, and then if you guys don't understand, know what a faithless elector is, it's just somebody who is an electoral college voter who, you know, where they are told to vote by what their uh, state votes, but they vote for someone else. So that person voted for uh, herself. <laughs> so, All right, then. Good job, Faith. So, dude, where, why are we at where we're at? Yeah. It's, How did we get there? I mean, I mean, so we're in a we're in a dominant Obviously, the past, what, 10, well, 30 plus years has been heavily, heavily, heavily Republican, right. Democrat, back and forth uh, between, you know, incumbents and, and electors. Like, how did we get that way? Why? Yeah. Why? When you look early on, you see quite a few people running. It's not just one versus the other. Right. So why did we get? Why are we? Why are we here? So it. It started a lot, like I kind of mentioned before, like the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist parties. And the Anti-Federalist is the, is the Democratic-Republican Party. And they resisted mm-hmm. that label for actually quite a few years because they didn't, like Thomas Jefferson didn't want to be associated with a party. But it became pretty pretty clear and evident when we were drafting the, the Constitution that, we, that there was a group of people that wanted a centralized government. And then you had guys like Thomas Jefferson saying, no, no, we don't want a centralized government. And he was very advocating against, against that. Um, principle. And so through that, you see these group of people kind of align with this idea of a centralized government and they Mm -hmm. created themselves a federalist party. And then you basically got everybody else who's saying, we don't really want uh, uh, that. And they had all different sorts of beliefs, which is why they didn't want to align themselves as a party because, you know, that's the definition of a party is, is aligning yourself around the, the principles of a thing. Right. Right. And the Federalists just happened uh, to align that the central government and everything that comes with the central government gave them that that ideology to align about. Um, sure. So that that's really how the power formed. And when the Federalists won and we drafted the actual Constitution, and we created a centralized government. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was just kind of a, a back and forth from there of groups of people aligning with, right. you know, one person or the other person. And that that political divide has has existed ever since then. Yeah. So has the electoral college then, and that type of voting system, uh, has that just enabled this? Do you think? In inherently, yeah. I don't. I don't. And so I don't think that. And I, I could be completely wrong, but it doesn't seem like it was meant to. Right. Right. It wasn't meant to create this duopoly. Right. Uh. But for some reason it has. And and I don't want to get too far into the weeds about should or shouldn't we have an electoral <laughs> college. Um, but how do we how do we go away from it then? And I, yeah, and I think there's a, a bunch of different and, and I guess let's, before we go into other voting systems, I think it's really interesting Um the, just the count, so the number of registered voters by party. Yeah. So this is really, really interesting to me 
because I didn't expect this. So essentially, and we're gonna I'm just gonna round up and down for for a number's sake here, but basically 40% of the registered voters are Democrats. 30% are Republicans. Really? And 28% are independents. We have a lot of independents. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this even in, in our state. Uh, because we've been watching the LP numbers, <laughs> which are non-existent, but there's a lot of independents. Right. So why haven't we elected an independent at all? Every, anywhere. I mean, e- even in, I mean, there are some independents in the House and Senate. Not very many, though. Not which you would see representative roughly 30%. Right. And. So that that's that's the topic like that's the that's the key point as to why a third party can't win, whether it's an independent, a libertarian, a constitutionalist, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is, is because people have fallen into the faction of the two parties. And we have this gross misrepresentation in not only the way that we elect people, Mm -hmm. but just the misrepresentations in our in our like U.S. Congress. Right. You know, the House of Representatives, they capped it at. Uh, whatever the representation is, it's like one um, electorate for every seventy-five thousand. It was supposed to be like one for every fourteen thousand. Like we should have ten thousand House of Representatives or something like that in Congress. Yeah. If if we were to stick to the original constitutional design for representation. Yeah. And if we had that level of representation, we wouldn't have the same level of party politics that we do today. Yeah. But what's crazy to me is that roughly one out of every three people is an independent. Mm-hmm. Not one out of every three elected officials in independent. No. And that and that goes back to Plato actually talked about this like way, way, way back when. We're going deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember exactly what he what he what he was quoted saying, but he talked a lot about how people get into herd mentalities and they mm-hmm. follow their groups against what's good for their families, what's good for their people around them, what's good for their own communities. And they will align with whatever party that they belong to. So way back right. in those days, they still had political parties, although they weren't really derived around ideologies. They were derived around class. Sure. So you had the, yeah. the elite class representing one group, and then you had basically the common people representing the other group. So if you were a common person, you you voted for that person regardless of their principles or policies because that's the only choice that you had. Mm-hmm. And that mentality has just been driven into our generation. I mean, going way back into the Federalist. So how do you, I'm going to ask this question. I don't know if you have an answer or not, or if you care, <laughs> what, what role does the media have in that duopoly, yeah. in the duopoly that goes back to money, right? Like, I mean, the, the media is controlled by money. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever's going to get the most clicks and which, I don't, I don't know if I can say that, though, because, I mean, a libertarian candidate or a third-party candidate getting a lot of PR and publicity is going to get a lot of clicks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Gary Johnson got a ton of press. He did. He a did. A lot of press. And a lot of it was free and unpaid for. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, A that, lot of it was him saying dumb stuff. <laughs> what is Aleppo? Or Poor weird guy. Or weird stuff. Poor guy. And, and he was one that was advocating marijuana, yeah. you know, decriminaliz- decriminalization on a federal level and things. And so he got a lot of press because of that but that's good right that's what we wanted that's what we need but he got three percent of the vote yep he got crushed and and that comes from again from going back to the the voting system we have the and and i struggle with this concept of spoiler candidates 
right? If you vote for the third candidate, you're throwing away your vote or, yeah. you're, or you're giving it to the person that you like least. And so there's, it's that idea when you have, you know, um, 30% or, you know, 40% Republicans or let's go 35% Republicans, 35% Democrats. And you've mm-hmm. got this middle. Well, if they all vote for the third party, you know, not everybody, not all of them is going to vote for the third party, but essentially yeah. if you vote for the third party who leads more, uh, conservative you're pulling votes from the conservative candidate and then the progressive wins Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what that that's the spoiler right that that happens and that's where you saw ross perot too uh a lot of people argue if perot didn't run clinton wouldn't have won the election Mm. and so they called him the spoiler uh and he wasn't even a party candidate like he was just a third party in the election and he spoiled everything for the conservative vote yeah so when you look at essentially Dems, Republicans, independents, for for simplicity's sake, they all have about a 33%. So they're all virtually even. Dems have a little more. But then when you look at third-party candidates, there are three top third-party candidates, and I can say top in quotes because they're virtually, they're, there's no representation to them and they have zero voice. And so the top the third party is the Libertarians, do you want to take a stab at how many registered libertarians in the country there are? You might have actually a pretty good guess. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say is it is it it's probably just under six hundred thousand. So I think so. So the number I had was a five hundred eleven, but I yeah. think that was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Yeah. So, yep. uh, but that's that's point five percent. that's weak of the total vote. It's weak. It's weak, and and we're we're scared of it. Like what do you mean? We're we're scared of. Well, because then we can't vote in the primaries. Yeah, you know, if if you're a Republican, uh, which a lot of a lot of Republicans are realistically libertarians on many many I issues, hundred percent, they don't want to lose not being able to vote in their primary. I'm that guy, I that, think, and I, I kind of don't blame you. And that that becomes the issues of like, why do we have primaries? Or even know? as an independent, I mean, I don't know that, and I and I haven't looked into this a whole lot. I don't know that the independent isn't a party, is it? I guess technically kind of is, but it doesn't have its like central like this is what independents believe right right it's just kind of like the leftovers right it's like i don't want to be a democrat i don't want to be a republican i can't be a libertarian because they're crazy (laughs) i can't be a green party because that sounds weird like i'm just gonna be an independent because i think the name too especially with like uh millennials and and gen z's like I'm an independent person. I'm right. going to be an independent. So I think that's why the and, numbers have gone up, right? I think a little bit. And and they'll say I'm I'm going to be an independent, and they will inherently vote for a Democrat or Republican in the in the election. Yep. Well, obviously for everybody's, <laughs> you know, so which is the sick part. Like, so the Green Party, which is, I went on their website and it looked, it, it looks kiddish. Yeah. Yep. It's like the fonts they use and their logo is a joke. Uh, they've got two hundred fifty thousand members ish. So that's 0.2% of the total. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like that's staunch competition for the LP. It really is. <laughs> if, you, if you think about it. And then the Constitution Party has just around 100,000. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's just another huge drop off. Right. So after independence, there's a huge drop off to the third parties. And then there's a huge drop off after the top three. So you, I mean, you can essentially call them the fourth party. And... I mean, there are quite a few actual recognized parties. Yeah, so I think there's over a dozen. Yeah. So that's where you get 2%, 2.4-ish percent 
are considered third party or others. So right. that's that's about that's 2.6 million people. Yeah. It's not nobody. So what's what's those what do you think? So your uh what is your opinion? So should these libertarians, should these green parties, should they just say All right. And I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to be a Republican. <laughs> I'm just going to be a Democrat. I'm just going to be an independent and we're going to fight where we can fight. Or do they try to grow their parties? Do they try to say, hey, guys, this is ridiculous, even though in their lifetime, in our lifetime, they will never see a libertarian president? I struggle with this answer. Like you, you, hard, said, you right? said, you know, the answer, but or, you know, well, what I'm going to as a libertarians, but. the most most of the libertarians are like, hell no, I'm going to fight till I die to be a libertarian, which I can't say is wrong. Right. Right. But I also can't say that like they have zero. They have zero influence in our election. <laughs> and and it's and it's gotten worse after 2016, like yeah. 2011. We saw the the influx because or not 2011, excuse me, 2012. Mm-hmm. We saw the influx of the libertarian movement really start to to take hold. Gary Johnson was a. Um, uh, candidate for the Libertarian Party in 2012, and so a lot of people were like, "Hey, there's what's this?" You know, and so yeah, that caught yeah. hold. Then you had Ron Paul, who was uh, running for the uh, Republican Party, and he garnered a bunch of votes. He didn't. He didn't win the the uh, or whatever they call it the the primary. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't the nominated uh, candidate, but a lot of people were liking his ideas. He was anti-war. He was you know pro-liberty. He was pro-economics. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things were really great. And then 2016 happened, and then we really saw the wave because we had Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and people yeah. are like, "Well, this is the worst thing ever." And, but it was still so fascinating. Like, I really thought Gary Johnson was going to get 10 plus percent of the yeah. vote. I really did. I truly did. And when he didn't, when he didn't even get five percent, it was like kind of a blow. It would, it would have been, um, and I hate to use the term moral victory, but if that guy would have got 10 percent. That would have been a moral victory for the LP. Yep. And that's really what they were going for. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't I don't think anybody really believed at heart it was gonna happen. No. You know. Yeah, I don't think so. Y- you had guys like me saying, Oh, it's possible, but I I knew <laughs> better. But to get to that ten percent. But kind of going back to your question, like, so so what do we do? Do we just subscribe to yeah. you know the the two current parties? I don't think that's necessarily the way it should work. I think you have the people that fight till they die. Mm-hmm and 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 grow their party and whatever else and i think that's great and they should do that but if they want to see actionable change they need to take their libertarian style uh, candidates and run them as republicans or run them as democrats where they can get elected registered registered okay like and this is what i believe should happen and it should be the i mean up to the individual choice but so then you are saying to conform to Republicans because they have to change from a liber- registered libertarian to yes. a registered Republican. But party wise, that shouldn't happen. Like the Libertarian Party shouldn't just be like, oh, you know, we're just going to go be uh, Republicans now. I think it's a very strategic movement of saying, hey, this is this is a, a real candidate that can that can garner enough support mm-hmm. in their district. And it really, you know, and the Libertarian Party has been trying this more and more now is going to local politics. Like let's get libertarians elected in their city governments. Let's yeah, get them elected as mayors. Move, I think. Let's get them elected in their state houses and state senates and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not working. Is is the problem? Do you do you off the top of your head know how many elected libertarians there are? Uh, it's a handful. I don't I don't know what that number is. Let's see if I can Google it real quick. But yeah, I I, I, I mean I think it's a good long term strategy. 
And this is why in our lifetime, we will never see our lifetime. We will never see. I think, I think just the way the numbers roll out, I think we could see an independent. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I do. And that, that's goes back to Ross Perot. I mentioned, uh, uh, off, off of this before we got started, the Ross Perot's got a really interesting story mm-hmm. about how he garnered the support that he did. So in early, like it was like February of 1992, a lot of people were, you know, asked him, are you going to run? Like, you know, he, he was kind of into politics at the time. He was making some statements. So he went, he was on Larry King that night mm-hmm. and he says, yeah, I'm not going to run it under a party. I'm going to run as an independent because I will never, the only person, the only thing I'm going to sell out to is the American people. I'm not going to sell out to a party. I'm not going to subscribe to party politics. So he said to them to on Larry King live to the the public, he said, if you get me on the ballot in all 50 states, I will run. And the phones blew up. He had set up mm-hmm. a 1-800 number for people to call in and say, I want to help. I want to volunteer. And at the time, like the internet didn't exist in, in broad sense. You know, there was 50 servers that existed worldwide <laughs> when he made this announcement. So even for him to set up a 1-800 number was a big deal, but it crashed the calls. It's crazy. I mean, it was it was tens of thousands of calls coming in every hour in support of getting this guy on the ballot. And you saw this widespread movement go across the country that was completely grassroots. It was completely unorganized. It had this crazy notion that this guy can get elected as an independent without having a party leader without having party ideals, anything like that. So they're all volunteers. And that's what I think is really fascinating because I don't even think it matters what his politics were, Mm -hmm. just the fact that he was willing to challenge the system. And that's what people went by. And I thought that was, that was a pretty cool facet of what he did. Yeah. Do you think he had a shot though? First of all, that's an amazing way to get your name out there, (laughs) but also the guy's a billionaire. Yeah. I didn't hurt any. So he he was able to raise a lot of his own money. I'm assuming self funded most of his campaign, or he knew rich dudes that maybe helped him out. Yep. Even though they maybe they were, uh, you know, helping other parties or other candidates. I don't know. But during during his campaign, which which was a non campaign, which mm-hmm. is ultimately why he quit the race. So he dropped out halfway through in in ninety two. Yep. Uh, and and that kind of when I was first reading about a story, I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. Then he dropped out. And I was like, why'd you drop out, man? Yeah. And there was a lot of reasons why he dropped out, but mostly because he couldn't stomach the politics of it. He didn't want to go with the tradition. And everybody that was trying to get him elected was like, you need to start utilizing traditional tactics. You need to have like a political uh, ideology that you that people can get behind, mm-hmm. like people like you. And they like the things that you're saying, but we need to define your economic policy. And he didn't want to do it. Hmm. Um, and that's ultimately why he quit the race. Uh, among other things, he was getting death threats. He was getting a lot of stuff. That's that, great. It's, I get it. I mean, I, I, I don't get it, but it doesn't surprise me. Right. And, and, and ultimately, that's why he quit. And then even more surprising. So at the time when he quit, he was on the ballot in 24 states. He was registered mm-hmm. at the time that he quit. And his movement kept going without him. He publicly said, I am not going to run in this race anymore. And his votes and his volunteer base got him on the other 26 states. Crazy. Yeah. And so he came back for the debates 
Oh, he did. He did. He came back in, in, in October and he did the debates, the presidential debates. The first time that we've seen televised third third party debates. Mm, yeah. Because was Gary Johnson on? He was he was not any debates. He was not in any presidential debates. Wow. And then people are just like, well, why not? You know, I mean, that's that's the, the easy question. And back when Rasa Perot ran, I don't think either of the two parties recognized that he was a viable candidate. Yeah. And the idea of creating rules around having a third party didn't exist because we saw on your on your spreadsheet that there was a lot of candidates all the time and they yeah. had presidential debates all the time with all of those candidates. It always happened. Mm-hmm. And then it just dra- drastically dropped off when we got to, I don't know, whatever, whatever years that, that yeah, we like just saw the two, the two primary candidates that were running. And so there was no no policies. But after Ross Perot, the presidential debate committee created policies to create barriers to have a third party candidate. And that's why we never saw another one again since Ross Mm -hmm. Perot. Yeah. In 48, there was a progressive and a Dixiecrat or a states rights Democrat, apparently Strom Strom Thurmond. I know the name. Oh. Henry Wallace, Wallace was a progressive. That was in 1948. That was the last time outside of. So ever since then, we've seen basically two people running yep. in our presidential election. It's crazy. So for 70 years. <laughs> well, and then look, even before that, that was almost an anomaly. Right. So then we had uh, Norman Thomas was a socialist in 32. And he ran. A progressive ran in 24. A socialist ran in 20. Socialist ran in 12 yeah, and 16. So, I mean, really, in 08. So, I mean, when was the last time we had more than three? Yeah, 1872. We had three Democrats, a Republican, <laughs> an independent Democrat, and a Democrat liberal or Republican, whatever that means. Yeah. But that was, what, three, six, six people. Yeah. And so the last time we had more than three people on a t- on a ticket or card was 1872. <laughs> so going back to lib- uh, the LP, I don't know how many elected officials they have. I'm on the LP website, and it looks like they've got 188 contacts when yeah. they list out that they're elected officials. So I'm going to assume that's they have 188 elected officials. So when I said a handful, I really meant a that handful. That is literally a handful, because <laughs> then my next question is, well, how many elected officials are there? Right. 600,000. Yeah. 188 <laughs> and 600 000. out of 600,000 elected officials in the United States. Goodness. And we're talking city councils. Yeah. We're not just talking Senate, right. House, governor. We're, we're getting into the weeds. Mayor. We're talking mayors. We're talking city councils. We're talking district, Senate. I mean, that's, that's House. Rough. Yeah. In South Dakota here, we did just get a libertarian uh, mayor elected out in, well, I can't remember what town. It's out by Rapid City, though. It's West mm-hmm. River. Um, it's in District 30. Interesting. So he, I mean, that that's a win for the LP, I guess. <laughs> I just really feel in South Dakota, like in these red states is where these LPs should hit it hard. And maybe they are. I don't know much about their strategy as far as getting more registered LPs. But you got to think because they, they skew more conservative right. in their viewpoints. They, they're not Democrats. Right. Um, or liberal leaning. So I, I feel like they should hit these red states really hard and yep. try to get some people over to, to the, the Libertarian Party. Um, and, and realistically, South Dakota would, should be a prime state for that because of the fact that 
we have we have low voter turnout. We have low registered voters, which means that there's a there's a prime opportunity there for them to a- attack that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, Lance something is his name. I'm trying to pull it. Up. I can't remember. Let's see it. Lance but, Russell. Yes. Yep. That was him. So he's he's a libertarian. Uh, he says he's registered Republican. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> so that'd be, I guess, how he got elected. the The LP, the the South Dakota LP, is was excited about Lance Russell. Cool. So, I mean, maybe he changed his party registration right after he got elected, or right before he got elected. One of the two, which is another viable. It's honestly a viable strategy, is to get Republicans elected and then have them switch their party affiliation right after election dude makes eleven thousand dollars a session rolling in it (laughs) no that's yeah registered oh he ran against gideon oaks i remember that name gideon was a registered libertarian he's the uh state chair Mm. now currently Currently. yep he's the he's a new libertarian libertarian party state chair but i think i was talking about mayor the mayor of whatever this town is in here. The Hot Springs? Because District, or Custer. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, so here, here's the, the, the million dollar question, or billion or trillion dollar question is, how do we break this cycle? Um, one of the ideas that has been thrown around uh locally it's been thrown around in a local our local election since we just had a mayor and we had 29 people running for mayor and you know what i mean and they had to do a runoff and all that stuff it's just choice voting so the more popular is the ranked choice voting also can be known as instant runoffs yes so i'm going to read this what i read out of this is from ballotpedia which is interesting for for political election stuff but a ranked choice voting system is an electoral system in which voters rank candidates by preference on their ballots so let's stop there if there are three candidates you rank this guy's number one this gal's number two this gal's number three yep so number one means top first choice first choice second choice third choice so then if a candidate wins a majority of the first preference votes he or she is declared the winner so if somebody wins by a majority or gets the majority they win but if no candidate wins a majority of first preference votes, the candidate with the fewest first preference vote is eliminated. So the person who comes in third is done, is basically just taken out. And then uh, the first preference votes cast for the failed candidate are eliminated, lifting the second preference choices indicated on those ballots. A new tally is construct or conducted to determine whether any candidate has won a majority of the adjusted votes. The process is repeated until a candidate wins an outright majority. The system is sometimes referred to as an instant runoff voting system. It sounds insanely complicated. <laughs> I think the most what voters need to know is you just rank the candidates. Yeah. You still pick a winner. You still pick your favorite. But you have to pick a second favorite right. and a third favorite and a fourth and a fifth. And I suppose you don't have to. No. Nope, you don't. So if you are just like, hey, I hate Hillary Clinton. 
I'm only going to vote for Donald Trump because there's a lot of people in South Dakota that did that say that you can just put a number one for Donald Trump. You don't have to put a two. Right. What you can't do is you can't put a one, two and three next to Donald Trump. What about if you. OK, true. So what if there's multiple? Could you put a five next to Hillary? So it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. So. So anyway, this is what people are saying could help this duopoly or break out of the part the political party so what's your thought on the rank choice so to everybody that listened to that description you're probably like what because yeah. <laughs> immediately it's like i don't you need a visual you need mm-hmm. a graphic representation yeah of of how it really works and even then when it comes down to counting like the redistribution of votes like when you take out the last candidate and say this is no longer a viable candidate so then you redistribute the votes to the next uh, choice of that ballot there's like 30 different ways that that can happen there's mm. there there's a tons of different ways to set that up and how you do it and that's where it becomes extremely complex and then you get into these percentages and all these other stuff that even the the voting officials get confused by yeah. and this is where the big con of ranked choice voting comes in is if you can't explain it to an 80 year old you don't have an effective voting system yeah and they're not wrong when they say that. I mean, we have a hard enough time explaining our electoral college mm-hmm. to young kids in school. Uh, but when you get down to the basics of, you know, just rank your people, rank rank the person that you want to vote for, the people that you want to vote for, it really opens the door to mass representation where your third-party candidate now can get enough votes to break a threshold. Mm-hmm. Especially this is appealing when you have multi- seat races so if you've got two people running for your district house and there's five candidates the two Mm, the the, you know the two people that are going to be elected might not be the popular vote people so your third party candidate might be able to sneak into one of those one of those seats because of the way the votes are distributed Mm. and that's really where it comes into popular play so ranked choice voting might not be great for a presidential election at least not now but if you're looking at city councils where you have you know eight seats available, yeah. ranked choice voting is really really clear a really really clear way to get represent representation onto the panel of of votes. Yeah, I think it makes sense to me. Um, here's why I don't think it'll happen in our lifetime is because they can't explain it. To your point, so when when you say it can't happen in our lifetime, like for local elections. Yeah, because this do, this exists all over the country. So it, it exists in city councils. It yeah. exists in. Uh, so I don't think it'll. I think the big, um, the, the the struggle is obviously explaining it, and I and I, I think the minute you get somebody up there who's just like, well, well, everybody, this is how this works, and this is how their votes are tallied, and this and that, and people gloss over, and they're gonna like yeah. listen. I don't trust the government anyway. <laughs> this number jockey up here telling me how this is going to work. I don't trust this guy because I don't understand him. That's the big hurdle. Right. Um, That's not a great excuse, I don't think. I mean, just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's not viable. But, right. Because, I mean, we talked about it, like I said, on the local level, to, you know, in our, in our uh, mayoral elections. So... I think that's an option, but I still don't think it matters if we have Democrats and Republicans and independents. So what are your thoughts about eliminating parties? That would be the dream to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the, the problem with eliminating 
one party. I mean, we've seen the factions of the Democratic Party and the factions of the Republican Party divided now more than ever, Mm -hmm. which is historically how all these different parties that we look at in the past, that's how they get taken apart. As, As they create factions, you get too many chiefs in the kitchen, you get this division of leadership that ultimately just falls apart. Mm -hmm. But inherently someone else comes up and say, I've got political ideas aligned behind me. And then you just replace it with another party. And I don't know that that's going to go away ever. And with our current voting system, we will be continued to be stuck in the first past the post, the winner takes all style voting in our local elections and our state elections. And if we can't get, third party or independent candidates elected on a local level in our state legislation, we're never going to see representation happen in U S Congress either because that's, that's really where it happens. You know, if all we have are Republican Democrats in every state, then they're only going to elect Democrats and Republicans in their, in their U S Congress, you know, in the, in the U S Senate and U S house. So as great as it would be to take down the parties, I really think that ranked choice voting is, is a grassroots effort that can happen. Like we mm-hmm. just start doing it in city councils. People get used to it. Mm-hmm. Then we start doing it in district, uh, uh, district settings where we're, we're electing our state officials through ranked choice voting. And then from there we can start to make better decisions. We can see how it works. We can see how yeah. we, how we can tweak the system. We can start to take on corruption this way. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's the ultimate goal, but we also need to start realizing like the independents are that, we don't need to fall behind a a group of people all the time. We can fall behind one ideal and agree with them and then disagree with them on the other ideal. And that's where I think the Libertarian Party can have an advantage to elect Republican libertarians mm-hmm. and just say, look, just because you're a Republican doesn't mean that you have to be a Republican. Right. Or yeah. vote. Or that's, that's what I mean. Like, And that that's the big... That's the big challenge that I think we have is we don't have enough people who become Republicans and then don't vote Republican. So what do you think about because there's usually South Dakota, our state is a very Republican, even though there's a lot of elected or there's a lot of uh, registered Dems and independents. Yeah. In South Dakota, but there's always something that comes up where they want to hide party affiliation on the ballot. Right. What do you think about that? I don't know, man. I, I see the draw for it. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I really don't. I haven't really thought much about what that would look like specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't think it garnered enough support to even no, be considered viable. Dakota. Yeah, not a chance in South Dakota. I just saw that there's only two elected current currently elected independents in the senate yeah when you when you said that i was gonna ask i was like really um is one of them justin amash <laughs> because he would technically be number three and so, he's king of maine and bernie sanders of vermont is an independent interesting mm-hmm. so you've uh, got so justin amash do you know who that is at all or, no. or paid attention he's a uh senator out of uh you look him up, Justin Amash. He's a he's an elected Senator House. Either way, he he just left the Republican Party. Justin Amash. He just left the Republican Party on July fourth, claiming his own independence. He had a great speech about it. Oh geez. We don't need to get rid of political parties. We need them more. NBC News. 
That's their headline one US hour ago. Rep, U.S. rep in Michigan. Michigan. There we go. So he's, he's in the house. He is the best libertarian style person in Congress. Like he's a young down. dude though. He's 40, 39. So I think, and, I, and this is kind of to my, I think my last point is I think as we get younger people mm-hmm. elected or not even elected, but just interested in voting. Yeah. Cause let's be honest. I wasn't interested in voting until I became an adult yeah. <laughs> in my mind in a way about, you know, I've got a house, I've got kids, I've got to think about taxes, I've got to think about my income, I've got to think about my kids and their future and all this. And then you just think and you're just like, oh my gosh, I should probably look into some of this stuff. Right. So I don't think people care when they're 20. Right. Uh, do you think that's changing though? Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I really do because I th- I feel like the millennials and the and the Gen Zs um they're getting more active. Because look when we were kids, our option for political whatever, it was ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah. The TV. Yeah. Now because again, like internet wasn't a thing to to spread these ideas. No. And so now all these kids are being bombarded with I mean just online social media and they have the ability and they i really do feel like they kind of grow up a little faster in a way um and so i do think i think that as we continue to see independents grow the democrats decrease yep uh i think it'll be interesting in our lifetime it's gonna be it's gonna be different than it is in 2019 yeah um but we just got to get, yeah, because I, I feel like these old people, like the Bernie Sanders, the establishment, the establishment, uh, they got to go. Yeah. And uh, term limits. What do you think? I just thought of this. Oh, term limits? Yeah. You want me to go in on term limits? Uh, I want you to give a quick brief. So unpopular position. I am against term limits. So you think people should be able to run and be elected forever? Yes. And that's a, that's a hard position to take because mm-hmm. I see the draw for term limits. Like Mm -hmm. I understand the position and I don't necessarily think that's wrong, but by and large we have term limits every time we vote. Technically. Yes. You know what I mean? And so when we get someone like Justin Amash who, who believes in Liberty, who believes in, you know, he's a constitutionalist. Um, he's an anti-federalist. He's, uh, the thing that, you know, for me and my political beliefs, I align with him a lot. Mm -hmm. For him to just be turned out, termed out after eight years, after he's built, or 12 years, or whatever the term limits be, after he's built the relationships that he needs to do to actually create good policy mm-hmm. and start to have the conversations that he needs in Congress to get something done, then he just gets kicked out because he's been there too long. Yep. So I, I agree with a caveat. Yeah. I think we need to figure out this duopoly right. crap First, yes. Then get rid of term limits. Once we see some different parties being elected, I'm I'm fine. Then, I just think it's ridiculous now how we elect people yes. and how base and especially in this last election, how you know Hillary Clinton it was her, it was she was deserved right. it was her time yep. she deserved it to yep. to be to be the presidential candidate like really, like that doesn't make any sense. I think it is changing as we get these establishment people out. We get some people that are going to be more creative. Uh, with how they're going to run local, you know, state, regional government, it's going to change. And and Justin Amash is, p- is paving that way. Yeah, agreed. He, he left the Republican Party 
uh, after after I mean, he constantly votes against the Republicans when he needs to. So he's a registered what independent? Uh, now he is. Yeah. Yep. So and and well, it might not have taken effect yet because it's literally July fourth that he did this. Mm. Um, that's when he made a speech. Well, how does that work if you're an elected official and you change party affiliations? Yeah, you can do it. There's nothing that says that you can't. And again, that goes. It's interesting because you're kind of like that goes to you elect. Did they elect the person or did, or they, did they elect, elect the their party? party? Yep. Yep. So he is going to be running for his seat as an independent. When he comes up in. When he comes up in 2020. The 20. For the Congress of Michigan? Or yes. is he running for something else? Well, yeah, for U.S. Congress. Sure. Whenever his election is, he's running as an independent. And that. And so Tulsi Gobar, the, the Democratic, one of the Democratic Party uh Mm-hmm. whatever candidates she was on joe rogan podcast and yep. she was talking about how uh when she was elected as a democrat the first day that you go to you know congress and you sit there they have like an orientation for all the newcomers mm-hmm. and she said that you know you, you sit there and you go through this is the do's this is the don't here's the cafeteria here's you know where you go do this here's you know the tour and everything i said okay now you're done democrats when you exit you'll go out to the left and republicans when you go out you go out to the right and she just kind of sat there like well that's not really cool. Mm-hmm. And she instantly realized where she was in politics. Like she had to go left or right. And literally, literally she had to go left <laughs> or right. And so she, and, and she kind of speaks about that. And so when Justin Amash left, like she came out in support of him, like this is like, I am proud of Justin Amash for sticking up for, to his guns, which mm-hmm. he's done historically his entire political career. He's, he's never just followed party politics, which has gotten him into a lot of trouble with his own party. But for Tulsi to to come out and support him that way, like that garners a lot of respect for me too for her, even though mm-hmm. her economic policies are whack. You know, she's she's got a lot of good things to say otherwise. Yeah. And she kinda is her own person. So as as we move forward and someone like a MASH can prove that an independent can be elected in a very Republican district as his mm-hmm. and then go into Congress and represent himself with his party ideals we can start to see more of that. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. I, mean, I wanted, I wanted to have a correction. Uh, Lance Lehman was the, the libertarian who is the uh, city council, rapid city council ward four seat. Okay. That's what he was elected for. So he's on the city council as a libertarian. Boom. Not the Lance whatever guy, Lance Russell mm-hmm. in District 30. Sure. Um, wins, wins. So that's that's the that's the correction I need to make. We we're talking about Lance Lehman. Well, to sum this up and wrap it up, uh, RIP Ross. Yeah. You know, he kind of paved the way for the third party. And I think, uh, you know, he did a lot in his time and was a, as a unique character. And unfortunately, uh at the time he didn't make much of waves. I think he did, but he didn't in the same way. But I think even now in, in 2019, we're looking back 10, 15 years and saying, okay, this can be done. You know, I think he kind of started the rip in the, in the, in the hopeful overall bigger tear of us kind of realizing that this duopoly is not good for American in probably in general. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just, just, uh, be educated. And and be an individual too. Don't right. don't align with the party politics mm-hmm. and and succumb to the fact it's like, well, 
my party wants me to vote this way, so I will, even though it's not what I believe or what I subscribe to. Yeah. That's another, we could go on forever. We could. And that, what about, uh, how do you make sure that voters are educated? Not in general, but just on who they're voting for. Individual responsibility. But that's that's a cultural change. I mean, <laughs> it is. you can't legislate that. And I know you're against legislating stupid things. And I am legislating also. almost everything. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, it's a culture thing. And I, I think, though, that we're, we're moving that way. Once the, the old guard gets out and, and I'm not talking even just the current elected old guard, the old guard of old current staunch Republicans and and crazy the, Democrats. The, the problem I see with, you know, more awareness is going this goes back to the media. The media skews everything and people aren't willing to take a look outside of the media that they currently watch and they don't ask questions like you started this podcast. Like, why did we get here? Like what what happened in the past that caused us to get here? Nobody ever asked that question. You know, they 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 look they don't open history books. And if they do, they look at the ones that, that were handed to them by the you know public education system. Mm-hmm. And they don't ever ask real questions about what else happened, who else yeah. was involved. You know, people tout Abraham Lincoln as being this you know miracle man and George Washington being you know the, the founder and framework. But those guys had major flaws yeah. and they're not ever talked about. And if you challenge that idea publicly, you get ostracized. You really do. And we need and we need more people to just challenge the status quo and ask hard questions and just start saying like, well, what if we didn't do that? I I think we're there or not there. We're moving there. I mean, even whether you agree or not, the whole, uh, me too stuff, it's people questioning things. It's people bringing up things, the whole, you know, we're in more of a culture where that's more, more accepted, right? Whether you agree with whatever was brought up or not, but 50 years ago nobody I mean that's why it's we're at where we're at is because nobody would say anything right you know nobody questioned anything because like yes sir yes ma'am until you got you did one person that that stands up and says something like Martin Luther King mm-hmm. he's the only he's I mean obviously there's a lot of people but he he aligned the 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 faction of people yeah. to start asking like well what if we didn't do it this way mm-hmm. like what if we did have a real equality thank you for listening to this episode of America beer baseball tyranny Please subscribe to the audio version wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, look us up on YouTube and subscribe to us there. Like our Facebook page because that is where most of our communication takes place. You can support the podcast by virtually buying us a beer or two or purchasing our merch. All the info for that is available on our website, beerbaseballtyranny.com. Thank you again for listening.